good morning, Red Hills Church. Uh, I'm so glad that you're here this morning. Everyone online, I'm glad you're with us. Everyone in the room, you're probably wondering why you're watching me on a screen. Right now, I am isolating, quarantining with my family. We're uh, okay, but we're just uh, taking safety and precautions right now. Uh, one of our kids is sick. So uh, you get me on the screen today, but I'm really glad that you're here. And today, I want to talk about something that we're going to do in a few weeks. On January 30th, we're going to do a water baptism. And I encourage you to sign up for water baptism. If you've never been baptized, if you've said yes to Jesus, uh, then water baptism is your next step uh, of obedience into uh, your faith and into your walk with Jesus. But every once in a while, I like to talk about what we do and why we do what we do. And so baptism is one of those things. In fact, for the next couple weeks, we're doing a series called Watery Grave. And it's really a series that is built around questions about baptism. Questions are really important. I have four kids, and all of my kids went through a stage and a season in their life where they asked questions. They asked a ton of questions, right? And it usually starts about age four, it goes to about age six or seven. So I have one, my last one is kind of still in this stage, but it goes something like this. Hey, you wanna go to the grocery store? Why do we have to go to the grocery store? Because we have to get food. Why do we have to get food? Because we have to eat. Why do we have to eat? So you don't die. Well, what happens when you die? You go to heaven. Well, what is heaven like? You get the story. My kids are curious. They ask questions. It's fun. It's exciting. It's a little exhausting. But this is what I've learned about questions. Great questions lead to great answers. Great questions lead to great answers. If you never ask questions, you will never get answers. And the, the deeper the question, the better the answer you'll get. If you've ever gone out to coffee with someone or to meet someone for the first time. You ever been in a situation where they never ask questions? It's a super awkward conversation and you only go this deep. Or maybe the questions are very simple and they're yes or no. And you can't get this back and forth conversation. Well, I think it's important for us as followers of Jesus to ask good questions. To ask questions about our faith about what we believe, why we believe, and why we do what we do. And so this two-week series, this week and next week, was birthed out of questions. And uh, questions that I've received over the years as a pastor. And some questions that I've had myself. And I am the kind of person that is a very curious uh, person who asks a lot of questions. And so I've asked a lot of questions in preparation for the next two weeks. I think it's important to strip away everything and talk about some fundamental things about our faith. And baptism is one of those. There are two things in the church that we regularly practice in our church. It's baptism and communion. And so we're, we're going to talk about that for the next two weeks. So here are the questions that I'm going to answer over the next couple weeks. The first one is this. What is baptism? What is baptism? And why do churches baptize in different ways? Why do we baptize by full immersion? Is baptism necessary for salvation? What about this one? Should I be baptized? 
How old do you have to be to be baptized? I get that one a lot. If I was baptized as an infant, do I need to be baptized again? If I was baptized as a child and walked away from Jesus, then came back, should I be baptized again? We're going to start answering about four of those questions today. And I will let you know that today is a teaching. It's a teaching about our faith. You know, there is this slight difference between teaching and preaching. And so today is a teaching because I want you to know exactly what baptism is. So who am I talking to this morning? I'm talking to three groups of people. I'm talking to those who've never been baptized. Maybe you're new to our church. Maybe you're new to faith. Maybe you're exploring faith. Maybe you've made a decision. Uh, Maybe you've yet to make a decision. Maybe you've been in church your whole life, but you've never been baptized. I want to give you a convincing and compelling reason for you to be baptized, because I think it's that important. The next group of people are those of you who have been baptized, but maybe when you were baptized, you didn't fully understand what you were doing when you were baptized. And so maybe this is about you understanding what exactly took place. See, a lot of times people go through water baptism, maybe as a child, and they just did it because it was the cool thing to do, or they wanted to get in the hot tub inside the church, and it looked inviting, and so they made that decision. And maybe some of you never fully understood or understand the decision that you made. And the third group of people, some of you asking, well, Aaron, I've been baptized. I know about baptism. I think it's important. Why should I keep listening? Because I think it's important for you to understand how to teach someone else about baptism and how to walk other people in this discipleship path towards water baptism. So let me start with the very first question. What is baptism? What is baptism? Baptism is mentioned 118 times in the Bible. Now, some of you may be asking, well, why is that important how many times it's mentioned? Because if you pay attention to the words that are mentioned more, they become themes in the Bible. And so let me give you some example. That if word count is important, then baptism is up there with words like this. Belief is mentioned 139 times. Forgiveness is mentioned 39 times. Grace is mentioned 123 times. Your heart is mentioned 81. Light is mentioned 93. Prayer is mentioned 73. Sin is mentioned 120. You see where I'm going with this. That baptism is up there with those words like sin and prayer and light and and, and love and belief. And so it's important for us to understand if Jesus put importance on it and the biblical authors put importance on it, I think we should put importance on it as well. And so the Greek word for baptism If you're new to the Bible, the New Testament was written in the Greek language. It's the word baptizo, baptizo. And it literally means to wash or immerse in water. It's interesting because it comes from the word bapto. This is the root word of it. And this means to to dip or to dye something, D-Y-E, dye something. And so the imagery is this. It is that you would uh, dip something, dunk something, dye something in water, and it would come out 
differently than what it went in. And so it's vivid imagery to think when Jesus and John the Baptist used the word baptizo, baptism, there was this idea that you were soaked in something, that you were immersed in something, that when you came out, you were different. Just like something, like a piece of wool that was dyed in, in, in something, that, that you even look a little different, because you act a little different, and you even feel a little different. So the Greek word is baptizo. Let me give you a working definition of baptism. Probably the best definition that I have heard of and I have come up with for baptism. So baptism is this. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Baptism is the conscious, public expression of your faith in Jesus, confirmation of your salvation, and initiation into Christ's church. Let me break that down for you for a little bit. It is expression. It is a symbol and sign of your relationship and your faith in Jesus. It is confirmation of your salvation. It's like the seal upon the salvific act of, of, act of God in your life. And it is initiation in the church. It is entrance into the family of God in what we call or Jesus calls the church. You see, the first time we see baptism in the Bible, it is with a man who's called John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, as you know, if you've been in church for a while, he's the precursor to Christ. And his message was a baptism of repentance and a baptism where you prepared yourself for the coming Messiah. It was this get ready because the Messiah is coming. We don't know exactly where John picked up this practice, but we know that baptism has its roots in the Old Testament. Not only does it have its roots in the ritual purifications in the Old Testament, but just like I talked about in our Journey Home series in October and November, that the Red Sea crossing of Israelites was really the first baptism that we see in the Bible. Although the word baptism isn't used, the Israelites went into the water and out of the water and they had new life. They had new identity. They had a new calling. They had a new destiny. They lived in a new area. And so baptism is only mentioned in the New Testament, but its roots theologically is all over in the Old Testament. And so the question that we can ask now is uh, what not only what is baptism but why do we practice baptism well I want to read Matthew chapter 28 18 through 20 it says this then Jesus came to them and said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus gave this command to his disciples. Be baptized. Make disciples and baptize them. And it's because of this command that the church baptizes. You see, in the book of Acts, which is the continuation of the ministry of Jesus here on earth, we see the very first church baptizing. This 
records the first 20 to 25 years of the church. And in Acts 2.41, it says this. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And so what you see in this early church, in, in the very first uh, evangelistic sermon ever given by Peter, is that 3,000 people not only came to know the Lord, but they were counted after they were baptized. And so this baptism becomes an important act of people's faith in relationship with Jesus. There's a couple things I want to point out about baptism in the New Testament. The first thing is this. The baptism that we see is a baptism of full immersion. What I mean by that is it's actually people getting dunked in water, completely submerged underwater and coming out of the water. There is nothing in the scripture that talks about sprinkling or a little bit of water. This is just a description of what happened. They were fully immersed in water, completely submerged. The second thing is this, that baptism was, was reserved for followers of Jesus. Those who came to faith and believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord. Now I want to get into kind of a little bit in the weeds about baptism. Because some of you maybe have grown up in the church and maybe you've gone to different churches that practice baptism in different ways. And so the first way that baptism is practiced is called credo-baptism. And credo-baptism is baptism based off of a confession or following Jesus Christ. And so it comes after you make a decision to follow Jesus and walk with Jesus, you are baptized. Um, the next kind of baptism is called pedo-baptism. And this is what's known as infant baptism. And maybe some of you grew up in an environment or in a church that practice infant baptism. And in this way, baptism is an act of salvation. Especially in the Catholic church, that baptism is an act of salvation. Now there are some, I found this out, Protestant churches that practice infant baptism that don't necessarily believe it's an act of salvation, but believe it's entrance into the church. At our church, at Red Hills Church, we practice credo-baptism. We believe that baptism follows a confession of faith. That baptism follows you making a decision to walk with Jesus. So we also do something called infant dedication. And we've been doing a lot of these lately because a lot of people have been having babies. But infant dedication for us is this entrance into the church family. It's not about salvation. It's about this welcoming a child into the church family. That is a little bit about what is baptism. The next question I want to ask is this. Why should I be baptized? Why should I be baptized? Several years ago, or probably about four or five years ago, I did a survey of our church. And I asked people if they'd ever been baptized. And 30% of the people who responded said they had not been baptized. And it was interesting, I also asked a question that before you came to Red Hills Church, um, were you a part of another church? And 20% of people said that they weren't part of another church before they came to Red Hills Church. That makes me excited 
Because you know in the church world, a lot of church growth, and we've been a growing church, is all related to people moving from churches or moving into the, to our city, but they're already Christians. But 20% of people that call our church their church home came from not another church. That's exciting. Which means that the idea of baptism and teaching on baptism is that much more important. So if 30% of people in our church, one out of three of you have not been baptized, I think this message is really important. So let me give you three reasons why to be baptized. I'm gonna be very simple and very clear. The first one is this. Why should I be baptized? Because Jesus did. (laughs) Because Jesus did. Matthew 3.13 says this. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. It's interesting. When you read the whole narrative of Jesus' baptism, you, you discover this. That the identity of Jesus as the Messiah and Son of God was confirmed in baptism, right? So you know, you, you know the story. He was baptized by John and the dove came uh, out of the sky and, and, and God confirmed that Jesus was his son. And so Jesus didn't get his identity in baptism, right? But his identity was confirmed in baptism. When we are baptized, there is a huge identity statement that comes upon us. And the identity statement is that we are children of God. That we are a child, a son, or a daughter of God. That we are identifying with Jesus as Lord, with God as our Father, and we are his children. Now it's important when you're studying the Bible to understand the difference between descriptive and prescriptive verses in the Bible. Let me explain this a little bit. Descriptive means this. It's when the Bible describes something. And a lot of times we ask, well, what should we actually follow in the Bible? Should we follow only the commands or do we follow what happened? What was descriptive? The the Jesus that was baptized, this is a description. Uh, And so let let me give you an example of how this plays out. That uh, Jesus... Uh, one time healed someone of blindness by spitting in their eyes, right? He just spit in their eyes and he commanded them to see. This is a description of a healing. Um, The question is this, is that the method of healing that we should do if someone is blind and we want to pray for them? I remember one time in Bible college, there was this student who was blind, completely blind, and at a retreat, I'm not I'm not making this up. Someone spit in his eyes in order to pray for healing. And unfortunately, he wasn't, he wasn't healed. But the question is this. Do, is that a description of what happened or is it a prescription? A prescription is a command. And so you got to understand those in the Bible. A description, I hope you're tracking with me right now. A description is what happened. And what can we learn the meaning behind what happened. So if Jesus healed someone, then, then, then maybe we take away that we should pray, contend for people to be healed. But the method in which that happened maybe isn't as important as the meaning behind what happens. That's descriptive. But there's also prescriptive. And prescriptive is this. They are commands 
from Jesus in the Bible. They are prescribing us what to do. So there's not a lot of question behind it, right? You don't have to thoughtfully engage and think, well, what does this actually mean? Because it's very clear. And so Jesus not only described baptism, but he prescribed it. So the first one was, we are baptized because Jesus was. The second one is this, because Jesus told us to. Because <laughs> Jesus told us to. In Matthew 28, 19, I read this a little bit ago. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus not only uh, is baptized himself, and there is a description about that, there is a command of baptism. There is a command of baptism. Why am I baptized? Because Jesus was baptized. Because Jesus told us to be baptized. The third one is this, because the early church did. The early church practiced baptism. Acts 10 47 says this, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as he, we have. So he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. The early church thought it was so important for people to be baptized that they ordered people who responded to faith in Christ and received the Holy Spirit to be baptized. They commanded them, you need to be baptized. Is Jesus' actions, his commands, and the early church's acceptance enough evidence for you and I to be baptized? I think so. But this leads us to the third question. And the third question is perhaps one of the most important questions asked about baptism. In fact, this question divides Christians around the globe. And it, it is this, do I need to be baptized in order to be saved? Do I need to be baptized in order to be saved? There are two views. There is one view in the church that would say yes, and there is one view that would say no. Now before I tell you what we believe as a church, let me set this up for you. Baptism is one part of a larger set of actions and behaviors that we see followers of Jesus do in the Bible. So, so baptism is just kind of one of several things that we see happen with followers of Jesus in the Bible. And, and if you were to read through the Bible, you would find some themes around people's conversion stories. And, and so there are actually four key elements of conversion. They don't always happen in the order that I'm going to give them. But you see this through the disciples who come to know Jesus, through people who encounter Jesus. You see these four things at work. You see these at work in descriptions of people coming to know Jesus. You see these at work of prescriptions of what it means to come to know Jesus. And the four things are this. The first one is this. It is faith. And faith is simply trust and belief in Jesus. It is faith. The, the second one is repentance. And repentance uh, literally means to turn and go the other way. But it's not just about morality and turning from your wicked ways and moving towards 
the good ways, right? It's also about mindset. It's about values. It's about opinions. And so it is a complete shift in your value system to turn from the values you've been seeking and walking towards and turning towards Jesus. So when you look in the Bible, you see faith, you see repentance. Here's the third one. You see water, baptism. You see one of the first things that people do when they come to know Jesus is they're baptized. And the last one is this. It is the gift of the Holy Spirit. It is the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see a moment when the Holy Spirit falls on believers in the New Testament when they receive Jesus and start following Jesus. In the book of Acts, sometimes the Holy Spirit comes, what we just read, and then they're water baptized. Sometimes they're baptized and then they receive the Holy Spirit. Again, the order isn't as important as these four elements are. This verse sums it up quite well. In Acts chapter 238, Peter says this, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I love it when the Bible is so clear. Repent, be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, and receive the Holy Spirit. This is what we see when people come to know Christ. And these are signs and symbols and actions. But let me be very, very clear. These things are not what save you. These things are not the means of your salvation. Your salvation is not wrapped up in a formula. None of these things save you. Now, some of you might be thinking, what? My faith doesn't save me? No, your faith does not save you. The Bible does not say it is by faith you've been saved. What does it say? It is by grace you've been saved. Paul puts it this way in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. He says, it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We are saved through the gracious gift of God's grace. God's grace is the unmerited favor. Faith is not the means of your salvation. Grace is how you are saved. It is through faith that we accept this gift, but it is not by our faith that we are saved. This is really important. And Christians get this wrong a lot because it's easy to turn our faith into certain steps that get you to salvation. But let me tell you, that is religion, to earn your way by doing certain things to receive salvation. That's religious. We operate on a relationship where God comes to us and he saves us and it is through that salvation that we walk out in acts of obedience. Let me, let me put it this way. I'll let you think on this for the rest of the day. You can chew on this for a while. One can be baptized without being saved and one can be saved 
without being baptism, baptized. You, you can walk through the waters of baptism and your faith not be genuine. And you can have genuine faith and never walk through the waters of baptism. And this leads me to the fourth question. Aaron, if baptism isn't necessary for salvation, then why do it? If it's not the way I receive salvation, then why is it important for me to be baptized? It is very simple. It is obedience to God's word. Although obedience or works do not save you, the Bible is clear that you are blessed when you obey. I'll put it this way. Actions do not earn us salvation. Obedience does bring about blessing in your life. You see, when you obey, it is not about earning anything. It is not about salvation. But it is about God's favor. And so the question is this. How blessed do you want to be? How much do you want to walk in the favor, in the blessing of God. Obedience is something you do post-salvation out of your love for Jesus and your desire to walk in his blessing. I want to end with this. I want to end with the best analogy I've ever heard baptism uh, be um, compared to. And this analogy was uh, presented to me by uh, Dr. Gary Brashears, my uh, professor and advisor in seminary. And, and he says this, and by the way, every analogy breaks down at some point. You understand and realize that. But, but it's this. It is that baptism is to the Christian faith as the wedding ceremony is to marriage. That baptism is to the Christian faith what the wedding ceremony is to marriage. If you're married, let me ask you a question. Do you need a ring on your finger to prove that you're in love? The answer should be no, right? The ring on the finger does not prove that you're in love. You do not have to look at the ring on your finger and remember, oh, that I love my wife, all right? I, I, I don't look at my ring to remind me how much I love Brienne. I love Brienne whether that ring is on my finger or not. This ring does not symbolize my love for my wife, or it does not prove my love for my wife. It symbolizes to everyone else that I love my wife. And so the wedding ceremony is, uh, is exactly that. It is a ceremony to be symbolic of my love for my wife. Baptism is a conscious walking out of your faith. What happens when you make a decision to be baptized is you end up making a rational, thoughtful decision to be baptized. Let me ask you another question. Do you need a wedding ceremony to be married? No answers yet. The answer is no, you don't. You could go to the courthouse. You could have a judge sign a piece of paper or the county clerk sign your marriage certificate. You don't need a ceremony to be married. You don't need a ring to be married. In California, there's something called the common law marriage. If you live with anyone for 10 years, you are considered legally married. For some of you, or some people, they can be in an 
eternally engaged relationship. Never go through the ceremony, live together in a monogamous relationship. And everyone would see that couple as married. You don't need the ceremony to be married. But there is something special about the wedding ceremony in a marriage. It seals the deal. <laughs> you are publicly confessing your love, your commitment, your devotion, not only to your spouse, but to all your friends and family. The ceremony is this public confession and declaration that you already love your wife and you are making this commitment. Baptism can be thought of in the very same way, that it is a ceremony to show everyone around you the decision that you've already made in your heart. It doesn't prove your love for God. It is confirmation of your salvation. Baptism is making a deliberate step in following Jesus. And it is one of the major steps in obedience to walking in a relationship with the Lord. You know, oftentimes... We give our lives to Jesus in a moment of emotion, which I think is good. I think it's great. God works through our emotions. But what baptism does, it affords us the ability to think through our decisions and to walk out in a rational, conscious way of what we're doing. It's a deliberate step. So let, let me end with where I started the definition of baptism. Baptism is the conscious public expression of your faith in Jesus, confirmation of your salvation, and initiation into the church. It is the expression. It is the sign and symbol of your faith. It's a beautiful picture. And theologically, what's happening in baptism, I'm going to explain next week because it's beautiful what actually is happening. It is confirmation. It is God's blessing and sealing the deal on your salvation. It isn't a ritualistic religious act. It is a spiritual one. Everything we do when we follow Jesus is this spiritual act of obedience. And the last one is initiation. Oftentimes you see in scripture that baptism is the initiation into membership into a church. You are welcome into the church community and you are loved as a brother and sister of Christ. Let me close with a couple practical questions about baptism that I've been asked before. If I was baptized as an infant but came to follow Jesus later in life, should I be baptized? Well, I'll tell you my story. I was baptized Catholic. My mom made sure I was safe at six months old or three months old, however it was. She grew up in the Catholic church, and so I was baptized Catholic. And then we switched churches when I was an infant, and I grew up in a church much like ours. And at age 19, I decided to walk through the waters of baptism. But my question to you is this. What is God asking you to do? This is about obedience and blessing. It's not about an act of salvation. And I would guess if you're asking this question, should I be baptized, then maybe that's a clue to the answer. 
Maybe Jesus is nudging you to that next step. The last question I wanna answer is this. I've been a Christian for a long time and I've never been baptized. Do I really need to at this point in my life? Maybe you're 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, and you said, I've never been water baptized. Does it really matter? Well, my question to you would be this. Do you wanna walk in full obedience to Jesus? For me, I want every blessing available to me. I want to claim and take hold of every promise in scripture. And a lot of times those blessings are attached to the obedience of Jesus. I want the favor of God in my life. So yes, I'm gonna do as much as the word of God as I possibly can. Not to earn salvation, but to walk in that kind of blessing and favor that God wants for my life. So I'm gonna be baptized. I'm gonna walk faithfully in his commands. I'm gonna give 10% of my money to, to the church because I wanna walk in that command. I wanna walk in that blessing. I'm gonna do as much as I can that the Bible says to do and Jesus calls us to do because I want as much Jesus in my life as possible. And every step of obedience, it doesn't get me salvation, please hear me, but every step gets us closer in relationship and intimacy with Jesus because we're emptying our pride, our selfish ambition, and inviting his presence into our life. I wanna close in prayer. I wanna ask everyone in the room, would you stand up with me? We're gonna close in a worship song in just a moment, but I, uh, I just wanna pray over you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Heavenly Father, thank you for this time together. Lord, learning about your commands and your wills and your desire for our life of baptism. And Lord, I pray anyone who may be wrestling with that question, should I be baptized? God, that you speak so clearly right now in this moment. And not only do you give them clarity, but you give them courage to walk through the waters of baptism. And God, I ask your blessing upon your people right now. I thank you for your word. And I thank you for your favor. God, would you move in a powerful way in this moment? We love you and we praise your name. Let's sing this song together.